Welcome into Texans All Access on a Tuesday. We are in the Hyundai Texans radio studio. That would be me, DP Sidhu, along with my good friend Drew Doherty. What's up? How's it going? It's great. It's great. The July 4th break is coming. Can't wait. I know. This is the time of year where everything starts winding down mm-hmm. inside NRG Stadium. You still see a few sprinkling of players yeah. and uh, you know trainers sort of getting some last-minute things done, and then... And then this place shuts down during the week of the fourth. It sure does. It's also which the, I like. The, yeah, that's a great perk of where we work. Uh, that was a nice rhyme. Anyways, <laughs> there's also a lot of randos that just sort of pop up, and one of them. <laughs> Who did a, you see? In a good way, I'm going to talk with on the phone in a few days. Anthony Munoz. Oh, the greatest left. That's more than ever. a rando. Yeah, that's but a, he's but he's a random. T- why why very... would you talk to? Anyways, he's got a camp that he's he's running, and we're going to talk about the camp. But I want to also get his thoughts on the Texans. Talk left tackle position. I was going to say, him. are you going to talk offensive line with him? And I'm even going to talk the right stuff with him because he was in that movie. Uh, he had a small role in that movie. And ah, not the new kids awesome. video. No, not the new kids video. The movie. That's your realm. That's my. <laughs> you, if we get Danny McIntyre or Joey McIntyre or what's Joey his? McIntyre, yeah, or um, any of those jokers, Jordan and Jonathan, yes, Donnie Wahlberg. Yeah. Uh, yes. So you know, it, it's funny because when you said randos, I had my my mind went somewhere else a few years ago. Up until a few years ago. Uh, the Barnum and Bailey Circus used to be in town. Yeah, uh, around they would sort of bring their stuff in around July, mm-hmm. mid July, and they would be here throughout training camp. Uh-huh. And I remember <laughs> Bill O'Brien's first training camp here, where he was, you know, still pretty new, very right. intense as he is now, but seemed even more so because it was his first training camp. He's sort of trying to get a lay of the land, and we were in the service level, and uh, a unicyclist just was circling uh-huh. just right outside the, the cafeteria because <laughs> they would practice. That's where, sure. you know, they would, they would enter the, the stadium floor through there. And he was just like going in circles and, and, and OB just looked at me and just shook his head. Like, yeah, well, what is happening? Stuff like that was pretty regular because I think a year or two before that, uh, one time I came out of the cafeteria and was headed to the stairs and that kind of wall where those golf carts are parked, the golf carts were gone. There was a weight bench and there was one dude in a unitard just <laughs> <Yeah>. cranking out <laughs> uh, cranking out reps. He had a plate on each side, so he was doing 135, just bam, bam, mm-hmm. bam. And then next to him, standing up, chit-chatting, was another guy in a unitard, and he was about four, four and a half feet tall, and he was smoking a cigarette, talking to a lady in a leotard in some sort of Eastern European language. And all the while, the guy behind him was just cranking, just out, cranking out his reps. And I just like walked up to the to the offices, like nothing happened. I mean, yeah, what's what's uh, what's abnormal about that, really? I mean, no, no more circus uh, here at the you know at Energy Stadium, which is nice because it frees up a little bit more space. Mm-hmm. No elephants walking around in the parking yes. lot. So since the circus disbanded, none of that here. We no do Eastern European, no Eastern, acrobats, no unicyclists, yeah. just uh, circling in circles um, in the service level. But you know, we do have some players, like I said, and and. I do this thing called likes and stuff, which, mm-hmm. as you know, it's it awesome. comes on 360. And the players are out and about. I don't know if you saw Deshaun Watson out in Israel. Yeah, he's all over the, the world. He's in London right now. But, yeah, he was in Israel. Yeah, he, he got he, baptized. He got baptized with his uh, QB coach, Quincy Avery, uh-huh. which, uh, that you know, talk about some random things happening in your offseason. Sure. But, you know, wherever he seems to go, he always has a picture of him with a football. I don't, You know, I don't know if it's football camps reps, or he's yeah, just he's getting his work. work in, but he tries to manage getting his work in. And I thought – you know he'll have a chance to go to London again this year when the Texans play the Jaguars. But if he could just, if you could look at his passport and think of all the countries he's been to where he's, he's thrown a those, football, he's had those stamps on the passport. But it's like you said, 
on the plus side as well, he's been working. I mean, Quincy Avery is, is, is a friend of his, obviously, but he's also a quarterback He's coach. been with him. Yeah. He's, he's worked with T.J. Yates, Quincy Avery has. Yates and Watson worked with Avery a few years back together. So he's while he is exploring the world, he's still getting work done and getting prepared for 2019, and I, I can't wait for, for September. I, I really cannot wait to see what this offense, when it's fully healthy, knock on wood, can do because I really think they can explode and we're sitting on one of those powder kegs if, if everybody stays healthy. Yeah, we've seen Will Fuller post a little bit here and there on social yeah. media. He's not super active, but I think it's exciting to see you know when he comes back because mm-hmm. right now everyone – well, I, I believe it was back at the Combine that um, you know Bill O'Brien was talking about him and, and the hope is that he's back for week one. And look, they, they seem very like confident and that's, that yeah. he would be back for week one, but to see him back in the lineup along with DeAndre Hopkins mm-hmm. – who's been here working as well, and J.J. Watt, who threw a surprise birthday party for his mom. And, and people that work in the NFL can relate to this, you know, as, as, as do the players. They just celebrate her birthday four months early because um, it's football season, and busy. him and his brothers yeah. are a little busy, but they yelled surprise, and she seemed very surprised. He got her. Well, surprised because she wasn't really sure why they were yelling surprise. I right. mean, it was four months before her birthday. I like it. That's that's a really good surprise. It's a, <laughs> it's a true surprise. She wasn't expecting a birthday party four yeah. months earlier. Uh, well, the one thing that we see every single year is, is one of your favorite moments in Texans history, um, Hard Knocks. It really is. Uh, they were here in 2015, and there was a story written on MMQB uh, by Albert Breer about how the future of Hard Knocks could be changing because the, the owners meeting that was uh, underway most recently here in May, they're talking about the league having some problems getting teams to sign up for Hard Knocks. And I know the Texans, that year that they were in it, Obviously, they were one of four or five teams that qualified, but it sure is hard to get these coaches uh, to sign up for doing hard knocks. And Bill O'Brien said that that was one of his happiest, the happiest days of his life, Um, aside from, I think he said getting married and the birth of his kids was the day that hard knocks packed up and left. And I understand why he feels that way. And I understand why the coaches feel that way in front offices. You know, it, it is intrusive in that regard. Selfishly, however, I'm the opposite. I loved it because I learned so much about these guys. You and I are we're around this team and we're closer to it than most people. And but there were still there were still some storylines. Of, of course, because even players yeah. on the team and coaches on the team are gonna learn things about these guys because they have all of these cameras. I mean, think about it. If you spend all of your time around Deshaun Watson, you're gonna learn a hell of a lot about Deshaun Watson, but still you're not gonna know things about guys on the other end of the locker room, guys on the other side of, on the other part of the offense. That's that's what's that's what's beautiful about Hard Knocks. They've got all they these show a little bit of everybody to cover so many different aspects of the team, and it's really fascinating. I love having them here. I know they're probably not going to come back anytime soon, but <laughs> that's that, that was so much fun to see and learn. I don't know. I mean, I think I speak for you when I say I did. I it was I, just eye opening. I agree. I, and I knew it was going to be eye opening because everything that the NFL films people do is gold. I mean, they have a Midas touch when it comes to that stuff. Yeah, and they're, they're well-respected, so they are allowed to go wherever they want. They've got free reign. I remember Bernard Rick McKinney shopping for a home, you know, and here he is. Yeah, he was a rookie. He was a rookie, and here he is with his big contract, and you look, and you know, you see a side of players. We don't obviously get to follow them around when they're house shopping right. and things like that. Charles James, I mean, everyone knows what happened to his Fun career story, after, yeah. after Hard Knocks with the sock line and everything, and, and I think you, I agree with you, and I think that's, what the league wants is for fans to see that. for Because yeah. if you and I are learning things about a team that we cover every day, imagine how fun it is for the fans to watch all these players behind the scenes. It's wonderful. I mean, and I knew, I knew going in 
we're going to learn a hell of a lot. Like, there's a lot of stuff that we don't know about these guys and we don't ever get to see. And I knew that going in. So I was, yeah, I was pumped when I found out they were they were going to be here. You know, I like it, but then the, also Amazon had that show. Did you ever see All or Nothing? Right. And that's a, that's, that's a fascinating during the show. season. The one on the Cowboys is pretty, you could see why they don't win big. You know, because of some of the distractions going on. They had a lot of things happening last yeah. season, and I'm surprised that the cameras were still allowed to shoot it. But Jerry I, Jones. But I think that that's, you know, that's kind of where it's trending because I think the popularity of Hard Knocks has gone down with these other shows coming out because but you, you get to follow them during this. Do you think it's that, though, or do you just think it's that there's a, a zillion options, like everything else in media these days? Well, I think down. it's... Numbers are going down. No, I, I well, I think the reason why All or Nothing, which is harder to get to because it's Amazon Prime, not everybody has that. I think people like that because it was during games, during the right, regular right. season, and you were showing the stars of the team. You almost It's like with any show, you need to have star power. Now, Hard Knocks, when it was in Houston, you saw a little bit of J.J. Watt. Right. Right. So well, imagine if it was Deshaun Watson, J.J. Watt, DeAndre Hopkins... And not guys that were struggling to make the team because see, but I like that though. I I, I like it like too, but I think aspects. I think you have to be a true fan of the team. Yeah, to want to see those guys. Now, if it's some other teams, undrafted, you'll you know if, if you start watching it and you feel compelled to a storyline, you'll continue watching it. But otherwise, would would you say, oh, I absolutely need to watch the season of Hard Knocks this season, Oakland Raiders? Now, why is everybody going to watch it? Gruden. Gruden. Right. Not anybody new and unknown. Mayock. Gruden's got a way about him, too. He's not AB. Just, He's not just like that for the cameras. I mean, we were at the Combine two years ago, so it was going into his first season. And do you remember when he came in the media area? He walked through, and he was chit-chatting with everybody. And I guess one of the guys selling hot dogs at that hot dog stand behind us, which wasn't there this year. It's always There, were, there was not a hot dog stand there. But no. it, it had been there. Uh-huh. He was chit-chatting with those guys and some janitors for about five, ten minutes. Like, what are you guys up to? And like, they were like, one of them was a Raiders fan, and they, they were just going back and forth. It was wow! Really cool. Like, he connects with everybody. So, but see, that's my. Good. But that's that's my that's part of my point is that the reason why Hard Knocks everyone's excited about it this year is because the names on the show people right. are excited to follow Gruden and Antonio Brown. And and the guys that are well known. Yeah, I mean, no one's talking about the the undrafted, which may become a story later on. But everyone's talking about the guys they know. I'm still cool with whatever they show. I mean, I, they're going to find great stories, whether the guys are famous like Gruden or whether they're unknowns when they start like Charles James. But how to make it more popular? I mean, do you? I mean, if if you were to change Hard Knocks, there's also uh, an idea that got floated around. Did you ever watch on Showtime? There's an NHL show that follows the Winter Classic. No, I know I'm familiar with. It. I've never watched it though. I've still, seen a, I've seen a few episodes only because my husband's a huge hockey fan. That I've seen a few episodes, and I don't. I mean, I really don't watch hockey. Yeah. But I forget what year it was. But I, you know, you just watch a little bit of it, and you see the players right immediately after a game or right before a, yeah. a big game, leading up to the Winter Classic, which is the big hockey game that's played what New Year's Day, usually outdoors somewhere. Which I mean, I don't really understand that, but. You know, what if they change it to, you know, leading up to a big game in the NFL? Yeah, that'd be cool. I mean, hockey players. Like at a Super Bowl or something. Have you ever been to a hockey game live? Like I have. Game? I've been to a Stars game. It's awesome. I mean, it's it's a phenomenal It's product. a lot more fun in person, I think. It, it is. Personally. And hockey players to deal with, I've found them to be some of the easiest athletes. Really? Stere- stereotypically to deal with. I mean, they're. I think it's a lot of it is they get all that aggression out. Yes. In between the lines, and it's. They're just yeah. super jovial when they come yeah, off the ice. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're really, really fun guys to deal with. I, yeah, that, that might not be a bad idea. I'm sure the NFL will tinker with that. But, man, I still like hard knocks, and I don't want it to go away. 
I'm with you there. All right, we've got coming up in the next segment. You did a bunch of interviews this last month. This is yeah. part of the off season it's that we great, also really yeah. enjoy. Um, you getting to sit down with a lot of players, and we're sort of unfolding, unfolding, unrolling these out over the next few weeks because you actually that's really all you've been entrenched in lately is just sort of packaging up these interviews. Yeah, doing lots of interviews. Uh, with the players. Since editing. they're not in the building now, you have to get them all at once. Um, you, that's going, we, we've got DJ Reader, I believe, coming up next, entering year four. Uh, John Harris, I'm going to talk to him in the third segment about his MVPs for the Texans, and we're going to make some exceptions to the rule. You can't pick uh, a few certain starters who those might be. I feel like Reader might be on his list. Mm. And then also you've been working on your Texans 360 shows. Yes. Which uh, you've got a big one coming up this Saturday. Clint Sterner's coming on 11 o'clock, Channel 13, Saturday night. Going to be a fun one. Clint and I talked about wide receiver crew, tight ends. He uh, he had some interesting thoughts on Bill O'Brien and what he's doing as a coach. So, yeah, it's going to be good. It's always good having Clint in. I like listening to him. I like listening to yeah. that voice of his. It's, he has a hell of a voice. He's got a great voice. And then uh, in the lab with John Harris, I think John Harris is going to play a little bit of that on Texans All Access tomorrow. Awesome. But the latest podcast is up or going up soon. It's up. Yeah, went up today. So should be should be a good listen. We did the what ifs part okay. two. And it's the what if of all what ifs in Houston Texans history. So you'll definitely want to check that out. All right. Thanks so much, Drew. Coming up next, we've got an exclusive one-on-one with DJ Reader. And then later on, John Harris joins the show. That's all coming up on Texans All Access. Welcome back to Texans All Access. We are in the offseason, still about a month away from training camp, but we still get to hear from our players from time to time. And uh, you can always catch those right here on Texans All Access, Texans Radio, and as well on our podcast. But our next guest, actually, is entering year four. And what's really helped him get to that level, he gives a lot of credit to learning under defensive line coach Anthony Weaver and what he does in those meeting rooms. And it always seems like Coach Weaver makes things a lot of fun for the D-line because he's got young guys. He's got guys like Charles Amena who are rookie, but then he's also got uh, the likes of J.J. Watt in there. So he's got to teach to all all experience levels, from veterans to rookies. And he keeps them all engaged. And they, they, play, they have one day during their position group meetings where they do a, a game show of sorts. I remember D.J. telling us about that a little while ago, but... Uh, the the D line group in the locker room they command that Augs court and they DJ the music and really that's Brandon Dunn who uh, gets asked about music quite a bit but DJ Reader got asked about it as well when Mark Vandermeer and John Harris sat down with them here's DJ Reader on Texans All Access in the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio with DJ Reader so we had Brandon Dunn in here and uh, it was festive it sounds like it's still festive in the locker room too yeah he's still doing a good job DJ Dunny hold it down you know he does a good job of holding it down keeping it a vibe in the locker room it's good what would happen if I don't know say wide receiver walked over and said I want to change the music nah. would it be a full on riot with the defensive line I mean we take suggestions but you know what I mean it, <laughs> They but do you really? Up. You know what I mean? No, I kind of, you, really? you know. <laughs> we, we got somebody, you know, there's a couple guys who get to make suggestions. Okay. You know. All right. Terrell Adams makes a few suggestions, and they're pretty bad. But, yeah. you know, <laughs> when B. Dunn doesn't have it, we let him get the ox cord. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Fighting for that ox cord. Oh, man. All right, so you're, you're the salty veteran now. I mean, you've yeah. been around the block here. So what is that like? Uh, you're try- not old, but yeah, you're not young anymore either in this game. Uh, it's different, but she's still, you know, I don't turn 25 to this summer. And, you That's know, incredible. So, so I got guys still coming around that are almost just as old as me. And There's some rookies that are yeah. are 
as old as you are. Yeah, so I guess, I mean, I am the salty veteran, but it's still like, you know, I'm stuck in that weird age gap where I'm still like 24 right now. And right. So it's just, it's a little bit different. But, you know, it's fun. Still young, still able to do some stuff, hang around, just having a good time, know a little bit more now. JJ's talked about you a few times in the yeah. offseason. Yeah. I mean, he'll need you a little bit. In fact, he came and sat in that chair and was saying how you begged to be in home run contest and it took the donut the first year. So he kind of he kind of needs yeah. you a little bit. But then right after that he'll say, but this guy's the truth. He He's unbelievable at the job he's asked to do. How far have you come from when you got here in 2016? Yeah. You're, the, you're the last pick of that group, and now you – turn around and you're one of the better defensive linemen in the entire NFL. What does it mean when J.J. says, hey, this guy's the best nose tackle, he's the best defensive lineman, this guy, get, he's underrated? What does that mean when you hear something like that? Uh, it means a lot. You know, um, coming from a guy like that, J.J. is not one to just give up his respect easily. You know, it's something that's proved through work, and it's because he puts the work in, and I, I respect that, you know. I'll, as soon as I stepped in that room, I knew it was, you know, not saying other guys, but there's one guy I knew I had to respect. I knew, I knew the work that he put in. Knew what he had been through, knew what he did, and he did a great job of just being that leader, you know. And so I was just telling somebody the other day, I was like, he's got – he's the leader, and he also has the most money in the room. <laughs> <laughs> but when you have that guy who has the most money in the room yeah, and he's not slacking off, he's in there every day working yeah. harder and harder and harder, it pushes you to be better. And you couldn't ask for a better guy in that group. You know, both of those are him being in there just helps us out so much because he's just going to push you. and. He's a big part of my development. Him and we, even those guys, they never let you settle for not being yep. great. And the guy, even the guys behind me, like, be done. All those guys are always, we help each other out. We push each other. And they're never going to let you settle. Like, you miss a workout or something, they're going to be on you. We FaceTime each other all the time. I was just listening the other day talking about, I guess four, four of them play Call of Duty together. I was just listening to four of them talk about how somebody let them down on Call of Duty. So it's just, <laughs> it's, a, it's a good group to be in. And then from the top down, it's made you work harder to develop because you don't want to be left behind in that group because you can see it. DJ Reader with us. All right, so you have Watt, who's a first-round draft choice, yeah, but yeah. you have a lot of you guys, we were just talking about where you were drafted, and, yeah. and Angelo's in there, and he's not a high-round choice, and you know he came from somewhere else, and he got done. And A lot of guys have really had to fight for regular employment in this league. Yeah. What does that mean to you as a D-line uh, I think I think our group's just a group of grinders, you know, um, coming from wherever they came from. Whatever happened, a lot of guys, you know, wherever they were drafted. And it, it's kind of surprising. Like, it's kind of surprising. Like, especially with a guy like Carlos who had, was so productive in college and then got drafted right. so late, like, just drafted later. And then, but I, I've noticed that's just how defensive players go a lot of times in this league. You know, you just find a lot of grinders in that group. And we got a good group of guys. There's not many egos in our room. So, I mean, that, it puts, it, it keeps it a lot, a lot easy you know and then weaver pushing us the way he does it makes it a lot easier for us to just gel together what is it about weave well, we've known uh, Weave for a long time because he did radio with all of us he yeah. was like my first texan we ever did radio with so i've known Anthony for a long time but what is he like as a coach and why um, is he able to connect with you guys the way he does I think being a younger coach and the guy who's played not only played played here yeah so he gets it um been around he's got a family you know he understands things he's his his kids are younger, used to deal with younger kids, so he's he gets it and he knows that, you know, football is amazing, it's it's a blessing, it's, but it's not the end all be all and he makes sure that's known and I think he does a good job of that and just being able to connect with the guys. He's been where we've been at and he's not far removed from it. He can still get out there and show us things. He leads by example and you know, when he needs to get on us, he gets on us, but he makes the room fun. He understands coaching at different levels, like coaching at 
going straight from league to coaching in college to coaching in North Texas, coming here. Like, you, you understand how kids in that age group act. You can lose them quickly. Like, you can lose our attention span super quick. Yeah. I think he does a real good job of keeping our attention span. And he, just, he has this quote. He says, uh, football is like a, a simple game made hard by coaches. <laughs> and, and that's he, a coach he, saying you know, that. He's, yeah, true. and he's got a lot of quotes like that, you know. And so he keeps them, keeps you reminding of them. You know, he knows it's a game. It's fun. It's it's what it is. It's football. There's going to be tough times of football. There's going to be really good times of football. But he makes those things fun for us. DJ, will we ever see Foursquare come back? Yes. I don't think so, man. <laughs> he, he, we went 4-12 and 12 with Foursquare. Oh, yeah. That's true. Yeah, That's what a good point. Foursquare no. and 12. But we didn't go 4-12 and 12 because we were playing Foursquare. Yeah, I yeah. don't think so either, but – we got some superstitious guys in our room that do not. <laughs> wanna, understandable. Do not want to go back to Foursquare. I love Foursquare. I enjoy it. When I go to the Boys and Girls Club and do work. I play Foursquare all the time. Yeah, but it's good. These keep it off campus. Oh man, kill, <laughs> kill those kids. DJ, thanks a lot for joining us. Good luck to you. That was DJ Reader here on Texans Radio. Up next, we've got John Harris. He sits down with me. We discuss MVPs. Not well. We do discuss MVPs. Uh, the MVP of the NBA, as well as who the MVP of the Texans should be. If you take out a few players, who's left, who is most important to this squad on offense and defense. We get into that with John Harris and what he's looking for in training campus. Not too early to talk about some of the things that we're excited to see coming up in one month. That's all coming up right here on Texans All Access. One final segment. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back. One final segment of Texans All Access. John Harris joining me now. Uh, Johnny, the John Harris segment, as we like to call it. It's an off week, but yet we're still here doing radio every week. Of course. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the sports world rolls on because last night and this morning on Twitter, I saw all the talk about the NBA MVP being announced. Obviously, Giannis Antetokounmpo being um, MVP. People in Houston may have their – disagreements about it but well, rocket's twitter was all rocket's in, twitter <laughs> rocket's definitely twitter disagreed was with like, it <laughs> they yeah they were they were um they were a little disappointed they fired the rockets the rockets fired a tweet out and the rockets are one of the most polarizing organizations it seems in in, in all of major league baseball nba and, and the nfl just for whatever reason i think there are a lot of people i know i've got a i got a uh, a friend of mine, a guy that I've known for a few years, John Middlecoff, who lives on the Bay Area, and he just loves to poke at the Rockets. <laughs> and it's not like the Rockets have really c- can can poke back because they haven't beaten the Warriors. They haven't done something to get over the top. You know, they haven't made that moment yet. And so he just he takes he takes his shots at Chris Paul and and, and at Daryl Morey. And then of course that that tweet last night was like. Oh, man. Look. Oh, the fallout was still happening this morning. Yeah, it was going on for a while. But it's funny because I think when you live in Houston, it's almost like you're in the eye of the storm. Yeah. Where, you know, you're used to getting the Houston media and you see the Houston teams. And, you know, it's it's hard to see how other people outside of the organization perceive James Harden and right. the Rockets. But, you know, I definitely, I definitely got a taste of it on Twitter because people were not happy. Oh, But then, of course, the, the the biggest defenders – are those Houston fans? Well, here's a here's a well here's a quick story. When I I turn into a fan in some sense. So last year, this was uh, I think it was it would think it was in August. I think it was in August. I think it was after we had gotten back from the Greenbrier. And this guy named Peter Bukowski is from Wisconsin. I I, I think he writes for SB Nation. 
And he put out a tweet and he said something to the extent of Giannis Antetokounmpo, Christian Yelich, and Aaron Rodgers. He said, can any state boast of three players of that ilk? Question mark. And I was like, easy. And I started, I laid, I laid out, I like listed all the Astros and Springer, Correa, Altuve. I didn't even mention Bregman. This was kind of before, I mean, Bregman, Bregman kind of took it. This is kind of, I should have mentioned it, but I, I didn't because I'm running out of characters. I mentioned uh, Paul and Harden, and Harden obviously just won the MVP. And then I got to the Texans, and I mentioned, I mentioned Clowney, Hopkins, Watson, Watt, and and I was like, even you know, that's a. I was like, yeah. So one city can boast of all this. And so he came back to me, and he and he highlighted Watt, and he went after Watt basically like. He hadn't done anything for two years. You still, you still think he's of that quality? And now this was in training camp, and so I had seen every practice, I had seen any, every rep he took. I was like, huh, "Yeah, absolutely." He goes, "Oh, you're a better man than me if you want to base it off some preseason reps and practice and all that kind of stuff." And I was just like, "Okay, we'll see." And then JJ has the year that he had in 2018. That guy never came at me again. It's he amazing. never came at me again. Is- I was just like. I know, I, and I do remember that. It's amazing to me that that was only a year ago that we were talking about what is J.J. Watt going to be like when he returns. And we had sort of seen it around the building and yeah. in practices, but the rest of the world had not. And now it just seems like that's all been put to rest. Mm-hmm. Uh, no one's really worried about J.J. Watt and his health anymore, at no, least not that's... for the foreseeable right. near future. Well, we want to keep him healthy, but it's not – He's you're not, not coming worried. off an injury right. like You're not worried was. about yeah. previous injuries. Right, exactly. Uh, obviously. All exactly. right, so the reason why I bring up the whole MVP discussion – um, is because this was a question posed to me my first year working with the Texans in 2013. Uh, before the start of training camp, I think Mark asked me the question. We used to have this segment called uh, Reporters Roundtable on Fridays mm-hmm. where we would it would be me and some local media people, Brian T. Smith, I think Tanya Ganguly, who was uh, mm-hmm. covering ESPN at the time. We would talk about, uh, you know, just different topics with the Texans. And right. the question came up, other than Matt Schaub, because obviously Schaub was coming off that 2012 season, who is the one player you can't afford to lose? And so think about it. It's 2013. You've got J.J. Watt in his prime. Yeah. Um, Hopkins was Hopkins, but just not maybe quite there yet. You've yeah. got Brian Cushing. You've got like a number of playmakers on defense. And I remember my answer at the time was Dwayne Brown. Because I said no, if, if, the right answer. if Matt Schaub is your most valuable player, then I would say the next most valuable player would be the guy that keeps him healthy. Right. That's how I looked at it. So, uh, And then, of course, Matt Schaub has the season he had, and we all know that <laughs> even a healthy Matt Schaub, but not 100% Matt Schaub, was not, you know, e- even that, <laughs> yeah, even that yeah. was very detrimental to the overall formula <laughs> right. of the Texans in 2013. So now I want to bring that question back okay. with the 2019 season. Okay. Let's take Deshaun Watson out of it. Okay. Because we obviously know how important the quarterback is. And then on the defensive side, let's, let's take, l- let's take J.J. Watt yeah. out just to balance okay. it out. Okay. Right. Offensively, I know this is easy. I, I, think I, it, I think it is too. But I don't think – I don't want to say but is easy. But I don't think we have a Dwayne Brown on this offensive line yet, and hopefully we're going to get one at some point. So – I think, and especially with the way that we saw them mixing and matching with the offensive line, they're still trying to figure out what that, that five is going to be. So I don't know that there's anybody there. And, and look, if DeAndre Hopkins is out, we're, we're going to be in some, in some serious trouble. So Hopkins is – I almost want to put him with Watson. Like, if Hopkins is not there, my gosh. But when we lost Will Fuller last year, 
that to me changed changed everything because I felt like by the time we got to week eight, and Kiki was a little bit banged up, but and he was going to miss a few games after re-injuring a hamstring. But when Will went out, I, I just remember going back to my office on Thursday night, that Thursday night game against Miami. And I remember the, we had the TV on in the office, and I was writing my observations, and Adolph was doing her thing, and we would stop every now and again. And the Thursday night game, what I love about playing that game is afterwards all the talk is about you. It's about that game. Right. And we dominated that fourth quarter in large part because 73-yard bomb late in the third quarter. Then Hopkins gets the 50-yard bomb because they were all running with Will. And now all of a sudden we're putting this deep element with this um, this intermediate element that we had. Now we're putting it all together. And then Will gets hurt. And, yeah, we brought it to Marius, and I thought the Marius did some good things. But I know defenses at that point were like, okay, it's Hopkins. We can figure out how to stop the Marius. He's not going to run away from us. If we're in good position and we're just physical at the ball and the ball gets there, we'll be fine. But when Will went down, that to me is when it changed for defenses. And it really came to fruition. I think it changed our offense, too, because – and I don't know how different it would have been had Kiki been healthy all year long. I think right. losing both of them together yes. uh, was really was it was a, very hard to overcome, even with Demarius Thomas added to the roster. Mm-hmm. But I wonder if you've got one of the two and not both out, how different it would have been. Well, and what if you've got Will Fuller and Kiki QT healthy, and then there's no Hopkins? Does that change? I know. I mean, well, I know you cannot replace DeAndre Hopkins, but how much does that sort of alleviate? Last year, it seemed like the wide receiver. The wide receivers as a whole were just so banged up. I don't even want to think about life without a hop. My I God. don't either because I know, I know that. But, but that, you're that, right. I mean, like I said. We did have to think about it a minute when those last few games of the year. I know. He was testing out that ankle pregame. I mean, that's that's why I almost want to put hop with Watson, to be honest. Because if you don't have Hopkins, you know, you, you still got four and he's still going to be able to create. But if you had Hopkins, if you, if you didn't have hop and you got to – I mean, look, with Kiki and Will – you still have got elements that put a lot of pressure on defenses. I, I would imagine, and it's funny because I had, I had this conversation uh, with some people down at the Senior Bowl, and they're like, look, it's, it's stopping you guys is about stopping Hopkins. Like, we got to do whatever we got to do to stop Hopkins. Which, the thing about it isn't that easy because it doesn't matter how many guys are near Hopkins. If he gets his hands on it, he's going to catch the football. I mean, we all know that. And that, that's what makes it difficult. So how do you devote coverage to him? What will changes for Hop is, okay, we've got this guy over here that can fly by everybody. Do we want to give deep safety help to that and play underneath? Like, how do we want to play that? Because if we try and go one-on-one with him, we got no chance because he'll just run away from everybody. And that that's a dilemma you create, and that is Hopkins on one side, Fuller's on one side, and the safeties are like, yeah, how do you allocate do your do? how do you allocate your defensive right. resources? And exactly. if one is gone, right, it makes that it makes that and, decision much easier for. And defensive so, if you take Hopkins out of the mix, and now it's just Fuller, now you just say, forget it. We'll let Kiki catch everything underneath if I you're going to you. do that, and we're just going to put two, maybe even three guys around Fuller and make sure he doesn't beat us deep. That that's going to be the way we do it. But Fuller creates such an element. We saw it really encapsulated in Miami game because he gets the deep route for the touchdown. And the safeties are totally screwed up with what they're doing. So I saw this when I went and rewatched the game. The Miami secondary coach, after that play, gets him on the sideline, and he starts drawing the board. He's banging on the board. He's getting real mad. So the next time they run that same route, 
when Fuller goes across the field, three guys go with him. Uh-huh. And Hop comes wide open. And he walks in basically from the 20-yard line. It's like pick line. your poison. Right. And <laughs> that's would, why right. having, having – You need both. Needing both to be able to do that. So – I just think Will's element of speed obviously is not something that DeAndre has, but teams fear Hopkins because they're like, we can we can stop this offense if we can stop Hopkins. Well, I mean, good luck with that. But at the end of the year, you know, in the playoff game in particular, when Hop was banged up, I mean, it, you didn't have to devote as many resources to him. You just had to be physical with him because he was so he was so beat up. But if you put Will in the mix and you got Kiki in the mix. Then all of a sudden you're talking about, boy, underneath, they're quick with QT. They can go deep with Fuller, and with Hop, you can do pretty much anything. So how do we, how do we slow that down? So the other one I, uh, the other one I thought of was, was Deontay Foreman, but I thought back to the offense last year, and I thought, you know, this offense was, if Fuller were healthy, I think would have gone to a different – I think after that game against Miami – yeah, because you I didn't, have, you didn't gone, have Foreman last year either, right. so you I were missing a lot of offense. You were. You really were. You were missing some serious firepower. But I think the offense goes to a different level with Fuller versus Foreman. I think Foreman helps you and improves your offense, but with Fuller it just changes your whole dynamic, complete dynamic of what it can change for you. So I would say Fuller on the offensive side. Now defensively, this is a little bit harder for me yeah. because the way, tough. Um, the way the defense plays, it just seems like everyone has their job to do. I know Whitney doesn't put the numbers on the stat sheet, but he's very important to what Romeo Crowell wants to do. Because he does a little bit of everything. Because he does a little bit of everything. I really I'm, felt like two years ago when Whitney went out for the season that that was going to hurt the I'm defense. I'm going to give you two. I'm going to give you two. And you just heard from one of them earlier. And he comes off the field on third down. That's mm-hmm. DJ Reader. This – and it really encapsulated for me in week three. Week three, we did not play the run well. And I thought it was well, going back and watching the game. I, I I couldn't understand why New York ran the ball so well on us. And then I watched it and I was like, boy, that's that's not the DJ Reader I know. Week four on, Reader was dumb. I mean, like, you couldn't move him. You could not move him. He he tackled anybody from numbers to numbers, ran all the way to the sideline to make plays. Reader's phenomenal. Reader, to me, is the key to our entire run defense. You and J.J. Watt probably very much in agreement on that because J.J. just, the way he talks about D.J. Reader being underappreciated, one of the best in the league. Without, he's unbelievable. I mean, he his rise came really fast. I wonder how much of that was just learning under Vince Wolfork. And, I mean, he's just a smart player in general. Just yeah, very playing much Playing so. under Anthony Weaver, um, D-line coach. You know, he, he's really come along well. I think Reader... I, I I would put Reader there. Here's the other one. Okay. And I know he's only going into his second year. Uh, same. Justin Reed. Justin Reed. I think Justin Reed just got it. He started getting a handle on things last year. And now we're going into year two. So I think there are things in year two you can start to do a little bit more. And I love there's a <clears throat> there's a great shot of Anthony Midget on uh, NFL Films talking to the safeties. It was Andre Howe and Justin Reed in the Colts game. And he's like, hey – Y'all have got to show those those disguises much, much later. He's like, luck's too good for that. Oh. And he caught him saying that. And it was like, those are the little things, like showing a disguise a little bit later. You know, baiting guys. I watched Jamal Adams on NFL Films. He did a, a sit-down with, with uh, Brian Baldinger and, and Ron Jaworski. And he was talking about all the different things that he does now, that he sees, that he's like, oh, yeah, I, f- I faked this because I knew I was going to do this. Those are the things you start doing your second year when you're as talented as Justin Reed. And I think he'll do those – 
and he kind of will keep that hole back in that's been kind of renovated, he can kind of keep that thing together a little bit more. And I think, like you renovate a house, you kept the foundation. And keeping the foundation. Yeah, he's Justin your one Reed. consistent part right. just he, going into year two. But right. the fact that he's able to help Deshaun Gibson and guys that yes. are more veteran because – you know, he knows the system, right. and he's learned so much, and he's impressed them with how smart he is. Right. Obviously, I, I can't wait to see what year two has in store yeah. for him. I I would – I shudder at the thought of not having – and the thing is, I think we have as good an inside linebacker group with Zach Mac and Dylan Cole as any group in the NFL. And I see these lists of top linebackers in the league, and they don't include either one of those two, and it's a shame to me. But I just feel like the run defense up front without Reader and the, the the pass defense in the back end and just having Reed around to do the all round things the safety's gotta do, I just think you you would be you'd sort of be lost without them. Well what about in the middle? You bring up Bernardrick McKinney and one of the keys to Bernardrick I, McKinney is the fact that he's been so healthy through all these years, went to the Pro Bowl, he's He's the quarterback of the defense in there. He's lining everybody up. How how vital is a guy like that? I feel well, like he doesn't really even get talked about enough. I almost want to put him up there with Watt. You know, we talk about Watt. I almost want to put BMAC up there with Watt because BMAC handles every ounce of the communication. And we talked to Romeo Cornell. I thought it was interesting talking to Rack about, about BMAC. And he kind of smiled when I asked him about BMAC as a rookie and BMAC now. And even, even Bernardrick talked about it in his, his uh, media session. He talked about being able to talk to the back, talk to the front, and be able to speak all the same language is, is just – I mean, to have a guy like that. The thing I think about with the linebackers, you know, Bernardrick and Zach make a ton of tackles. They do a lot of that because of DJ Reader, especially in the run game. So if you don't have, if you don't have Reader up front, then that's going to slow their progress. But from a communication leadership standpoint, if you don't have Bernardrick McKinney in the middle – and look, I, I love Zach, but the communication part in the defense is huge, and that's where BMAC is just – he's over the top. I mean, that's what Romeo Cornell – I had asked him this offseason what, what he's really looking for in OTAs because obviously no pads. There's not much else they can do um, on the field. And he said work on communication, especially with all these yeah. new players that have Absolutely. come in, uh, rookies, players from other teams. You know, they've got to get on the same page. And, and even with the defenses of the past, it's taken a few months for everyone to sort of get on the same page. Like, exactly. Around Thanksgiving time is when we see Romeo Cornell's defense like yep. really hit their stride. That's when it locks in. And that's why it was weird last year because last year it felt like it was locking in, but then you knew it was kind of janky in the back end. And it was just like, man, up front, really good. Like they're getting locked like you could see it. But then in the back end they just couldn't cover the way that they wanted to. And hopefully this year if they can get – coverage the way that they want to, then they can get this defense back the way it was in 15 and 16. And that was that was such a huge key because the rush and the coverage worked so well together in 15 and 16. 15 when you had Watt and, and JD was kind of banged up, and then 16 you had clowning, but Watt was banged up. But you still had that second – you had that coverage in the back end, so you were still covered, for lack of a better term. So if you can get that coverage to work with this front seven, then you can have a defense that's back in the top five where it needs to be for this team. All right, training camp is about a month away. The first practice, July twenty fifth. Yeah, a month away. If you look at the dates, so that's when players will be out there, right here, Houston Methodist Training Center for the first practice. Uh, between now and then, we see players sort of out doing their own things. They're vacationing a little bit, but then they're also working out and getting ready. What are? Tell me, what are some of the things? I know we always talk about top five storylines or top three storylines heading into training camp. But what are you most excited about for training camp when it comes back to Houston? I think a couple things. First of all, 
the, the progress of guys we didn't see in OTAs, where are they? So there's always, right before we start practice, there's always that, that uh, comes from, from our PR department, and it lists who's on PUP, who's on, I, you know, who's on IR, who's on PUP, who's on, you know, to know where these guys are to start practice. And sometimes guys end up on the PUP list, and then one day later they're back on the, the, they're back on the field. It happens. I'm curious where Will is in his recovery, when we're going to see him, and what we'll be able to see him do. When when will Matt Khalil get on the field? When will we get a chance to see him? That's that's another one. But I think the the, the biggest thing I'm looking forward to is the 2018 rookies making the jump. So we talked about Justin Reed, you know, Kiki QT. Does he kind of build on what he did the, the offseason? The two Jordans uh, at tight end, Vincent Smith. Where are those guys in you know taking the steps up? And if there's one guy that I'm probably really intrigued to see and it's a guy that we haven't talked a lot about going into his third year and I think it's that time and I saw it at the end of last year and that's Carlos Watkins this team needs some interior pass rush they need a little bit of that I think Carlos Watkins he was that guy at Clemson and I started to see at the end of last year it needs to come all together this year and I think a draft pick like Charles Amenahu can kind of you know, get that motivation a little bit. But I think Carlos Watkins can be a factor in our pass rush on third down from the inside, and that's what he's got to be this year. So I'm looking forward to seeing what Carlos Watkins does in his third year as well. well with no Christian Covington and, and some changes on the D-line, yep. you know, hopefully Carlos Watkins has those opportunities. Last year he just wasn't even active for a lot of the game. Right. So it's hard yeah, to – it's hard really to, was no opportunity. There was with, not the opportunity for him yep. to make that, and I think he's sort of been, you know, itching to, to right. get back out there on the field. and. And like you said, it's a big year for him. I'm excited to see him. I'm excited to see the running backs, Deontay yep. Foreman, with some pads, and then the O line, how it all shapes up for them. Because yeah, that's what everybody's going to be looking that's at. That's what day, everyone like, is looking at. What's the so. five? What's the five? And it's going <laughs> to and it's going to change, and, and it's going to move. Yep. Like uh, I said many many months ago, it will change. All right, we got lots change. lots to look at, and a lot could happen in the next month or so. But Johnny, I just like to say you're our MVP holding down oh, radio. Gosh. Thank you during this very very long off season, but. Never a shortage of things to talk about. Appreciate it, DB. All right, that's going to do it for Texans All Access. Be sure to check out HoustonTexans.com for our ongoing series, Top 100 Moments in Texans History, and more. That's going to do it for us. Thank you for listening, and as always, go Texans.